welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. Like a lot of our episodes today is inspired by one of my clients and I guess we'll call it an epiphany that she had that's really been the game changer for her. So she's a mom, she's got two kids, she's married, she works full time and I feel like she would just be like the best mom ever. I don't know when I picture in my head what like the best mom ever would be like this is her can we, she, call, can we give her a name let's call her cindy cindy is that like i'm trying to think of like awesome moms in the movie that's just that's just i don't know cindy just came to mind okay we'll call her cindy cindy is like the ultimate mom she loves to make breakfast for her kids she will drive her kids to appointments in fact her i met her because her son's a high school athlete okay. and he was a client and had a lot of success feeling good so she wanted to come in and talk about her own goals which were all specifically weight loss and feeling good and through talking with her you know she would just do everything for her family and her kids are a little bit of a picky eater her husband's a bit of a picky eater awesome people really friendly but she just had her own preferences and they were really healthy preferences Mm. like she would want carrots and hummus as a snack when everybody else wanted chips like that's just kind of the trope and so she this didn't even come to my mind but During our second consultation, she had come in, she had started to feel better, she was losing weight, she was feeling really good. And just looking at what she was eating and hearing about it, I was like, what's changed for you? You know, what's been the thing that you think has been the push you needed, the game changer? And without skipping a beat, she said, I've been able to stick up for myself. And I was like, what do you mean? Because it's not like her family was like berating her or sabotaging her. You know, everybody... Nobody really cared about her health goals, I guess you could say, which is a good thing, right? They weren't telling her to lose weight. It was just is what it was. And she was like, no, you know, now if the family wants to go get pizza, in the past, I would have just ate the pizza because the family ordered the pizza. But this time I had this leftover shrimp in the fridge and I wanted to make this salad from it. And my husband was ordering a pizza for him and the kids. And he was like, don't you want the pizza? Eat with us. She was like, no, I genuinely want my, my shrimp salad. And he was like, oh, come on, like, eat with us. And she was like, it would be my preference to not eat the pizza. I'll still sit down with you and eat with you guys. I just have these leftovers and it feels better for me. Yeah. And then she had another example, which was similar. Oh, her kids' practices, they coincide with dinner time. And so she would suppress her own appetite and wait to eat dinner with the kids because she wanted to eat as a family when really she was hungry. And so now she says, no, I just eat when I'm hungry. And I'll still sit with the family for dinner. And yeah. the only reason is just because she's hungry at 6. They can't eat till 7.30. Yeah. And so that's helped her make better choices. She doesn't overeat. So it's just been able to stick up for her own needs when really she maybe have felt a little pressure from her family, but it was mostly self-induced pressure. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. to be this, like, I don't know, to do whatever the kids and family wanted to do. Yeah, I find this a lot when, when women are like, well, my husband doesn't get work done work until 8.30, so then we don't eat dinner until 9. And I'm like, well, do you want to eat dinner at 9? She's like, no, I'm hungry at 6, so I snack all night until he gets home, until we can actually sit down and eat dinner together like well what if you change that you can still sit there you can still converse you can still have all that part of it you just don't have to eat at the same time but it requires you to be an advocate for yourself which is hard i can understand that you know especially if you you know want to spend really good quality time with your partner you might feel kind of bad if you get to eat first or maybe like it might feel awkward while they're eating and you're not but i promise you it's really not you know once you get past it well, that, and I think people will think that they have to have this routine and it's, like, the same thing every night. So, like, if we eat dinner together every night, we have to do that every night. So, what if you just picked two nights that were like that? You know, just making that that change. Maybe it's, like, a Tuesday and a Wednesday that you eat dinner together, but on the other times, like, you maybe you make dinner and you sit there with them and maybe you have a snack at the same time. But it's really, like, it doesn't have to happen the same every night. I find this with having a kid and a husband and we can't always all coordinate to be sitting down together but like your pediatrician will tell you it's really important for you to eat in front of your kid and not to just he wants to eat at 5 30 and I don't have time to cook dinner and have it all ready for all three of us at 5 30 especially because we'll usually get home at six yeah so like that just doesn't work for us but I can make that work sometimes so if I make enough leftovers maybe that next night we can all sit down together and he can watch us eat but sometimes he's gonna eat by himself I'm gonna wait until he goes to bed and then eat at 7 30 but it's not gonna be the same every night so maybe picking and choosing those days where you can make those things happen make the sacrifice for your family and then the days where you can advocate for yourself I also think it's interesting you know your pediatrician's recommendation eat in front of your kids I don't think it has to be like a hard and fast rule. It's like, yeah, eat in front of your kids, but don't sacrifice your own needs mm-hmm. to eat in front of your kids. Your kids are, you know, what if you eat dinner at seven and Liam's there on the floor playing? Like, he's still going to know what you're doing. He's still seeing Yeah, things. so the at this age, the reason why they recommend that is because two-year-olds are generally very picky. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's, it's what they see and what they know. And so if they know they're like, these similar foods that they go back to all the time but then their palate just kind of decreases and they're not eating green things anymore and they're not eating a lot of the stuff that you were used to them eating Mm. so then the goal is for you because they get more exposure when they see you eating it too even if they won't even touch it you just kind of model that gotcha yeah but I agree I don't think that has to happen every time like we definitely have a hard and fast rule in our house. Like, Friday nights, we don't eat dinner with him for the most part. Unless we were to go out together as a family. But we're, like, put him to bed and maybe we'll drink a glass of wine or something like that. And we'll order or do something that's more fun than sitting together and eating. Which I think is great. Also, you know, going back to that same problem we were discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. If you can't eat with your significant other every single night because their schedule doesn't align with yours picking a special date night can help you know that you have something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, if you don't eat dinner with your partner on Wednesday, it doesn't matter. You'll get to have that together on Thursday or Friday. Right, exactly. Or maybe it's more of like a, can you meet for a lunch date once a week? Maybe like every Wednesday you guys can eat lunch together and you can make your schedules align in that way. Mm -hmm. And then that way dinner is not, there's not so much pressure on dinner. I think we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like make dinner this thing. Yeah, because I think that's what our our parents' generation was told. Yeah. Like, growing up, we ate dinner at my house, 6 to 6.30. We had assigned seats. Like, family dinner was <laughs> yeah. a thing. And I think that's beautiful. I think yeah. it is. I, I, I don't think it's good to 
not have that. I mean, that's that's nice. But also, if you start compromising your own needs and it's getting in your way, meaning if you are feeling hungry at 6 p.m. and nobody else is eating until 8, then we have to look at a few things. You might have to redistribute when you eat during the day to align with your hunger. So if you are forced to eat at 8 or 9 p.m., does that mean you change when you eat lunch? Does it mean eating heartier things to help you sustain that if that's really important to you? Or does it mean advocating for yourself and saying, hey, you know what, I don't have to eat as a family right now just because of the way things are, can we eat breakfast as a family? Can we do lunches on the weekends together? Can we do other things that aren't that traditional family dinner. And advocating for yourself doesn't have to be um, being bitchy. I can't think of another, like it doesn't have to mean that. It could mean something like making a big bowl of salad for yourself to put in the refrigerator so that you know your family wants sloppy joes on Monday night and maybe you can have a sloppy joe with one side of the bun and have a salad on the side Mm -hmm. even though no one in your family is going to eat that like you didn't have to say no I'm not eating what you guys are eating I'm going to go off on my own and do my own thing you just quietly made your own little salad on the side or you make a pan of roasted veggies that you can have throughout the week so you're not worried about like oh I have to make sure I put veggies on everybody's plate because they're not going to eat them anyways and then blah blah like just do it for yourself and you don't even you can just kind of do that stuff silently I think that's good advice for a lot of things like just do it quietly like when you're out to lunch with friends or when you're doing things like you don't have to announce I'm ordering the grilled salmon with vegetables because I'm healthy. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, of course people wouldn't say it like that, but you don't have to make passive comments like, oh, I'm going to get the salmon with vegetables. Oh, man, you're so lucky you can eat fries. Like, don't say anything. Just do it quietly. Don't make a big production about it. And then going back to your point with your kids being there watching what you eat, if you have kids, this is the best way to get them to eat their vegetables is mm-hmm. to eat your vegetables to eat your healthy things to make better choices for you you know as long as they aren't disordered or you know troubling my hack is to make myself food and not make it for lamb and sit down at his table and start eating (laughs) because he will immediately come up to me and want to eat whatever's on my plate but if i were to make it for him first and like sit him there he'd be like no i'm not i'm not interested but he's definitely interested in what mom has especially if i don't make it for him is he a picky eater? Now he is. No. He, yeah, when we were doing, like, the baby-led weaning stuff at six months, from six months to maybe, like, a year and two months, year and three months, he was pretty great about eating anything I put on his plate. And then I think it's as kids start to explore more and become more mobile. So he started walking around 10 months, and I think that's kind of when the pickiness when I first noticed he would choose one thing over another, started choosing fruits over vegetables. But the theory that I read is that as they become more mobile, more independent, mm. if you were in a tribal setting, if you were a hunter and gatherer, that would mean that they were getting further away from the tribe, getting further away from mom. I'm not constantly looking to see what he's doing. So that would put them at more danger for eating something that was poisonous or getting into something that wasn't good for his body so they become more picky and choosy and want to go towards foods that are extremely familiar to them as a survival mechanism because if you were in the wild and you just put everything in your mouth and ate everything and mom's not looking at you well then you could die out in the wild I don't know if that's true but that is a theory that I read it makes a lot of sense and I see a lot of people going through it and they're like my kid used to eat everything and now they're not eating anything I'm like how if they started walking crawling are they more independent, yes. It kind of goes hand in hand. Interesting. What went through my mind when you were saying that is how that 
theory does not apply to adults. <laughs> the adults who don't eat vegetables and fruit because they don't like it or they didn't like it when they were four or five years old. Mm-hmm. Like you can't use that excuse anymore. Like grow up. <laughs> grow, up eat. grow up and eat some blueberries. Yeah, it's fine. You're not going to die. That's this conversation I have to have a lot. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, not a lot, but more than I'd like to. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. What are other situations where you've seen clients step into their own power, do their own thing, even if it doesn't coincide with social narratives, family narratives, peer groups? I think this is, um, this is relevant for exercise too. So I think for me, at least, like different times in life coincide with different types of exercising working for me. So like, if you've been in this situation, I know like with you and like being like really hardcore and like into weightlifting and all that stuff and then seeing like, well, maybe that doesn't really serve me yep. so so much right now, even if your boyfriend's doing, your husband's doing, your family's doing it, all your friends doing it, but like kind of taking a step back and saying, well, this isn't really what's going to work for me right now, I think can be a big step in the right direction. Or even if it's influencers that you feel like I need to be running 10 miles a day and you're like, but I actually just like doing yoga instead do that that reminds me of the episode we did living with a gym rat yeah you know when you see somebody else doing something and you feel like i should want to do that Mm -hmm. but i don't want to and even if you want to taking a step back like for me with weightlifting just tldr i was so into it for probably eight years i think is where i was just consistently always in the gym And eventually it just, I think it did more harm than good. You know, I loved it. I was addicted to it, but I couldn't miss a day. If I missed a day, I felt really stressed out. A day that I didn't plan to miss, right? If it just so happened I was tired. I had a lot, I lost my period for 14 months. I think that was a combination of heavy lifting and not eating enough and going off birth control. All those things happened within a three-year period and it was not good. So I had to realize that, okay, I have to change what I'm doing here. Even though my Instagram feed is still showing me the same influencers and women with hot bodies that I've looked up to that motivated and excited me, got me excited about doing these things, uh, I have to just look inward and do my own thing and things have, my body has only looked better if I think, if I say so myself, my period's regular, I feel better, I don't need to do those things. And that was really hard, but that was, yeah, my example of sticking up for myself and doing what I needed to do. And I had something happen again where I was doing, I got a, I got offered a really good deal to go to a group fitness class. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where you kind of felt pressured to go every single day. And I had a peer group that would go every single day and we would ride together and I would feel guilty if I didn't go. I would sometimes just drag through the workouts, the trainers would be harping at me. And eventually I was like, this isn't doing anything for me anymore. I don't love these workouts anymore. It's not changing me. Yeah, it makes me feel good sometimes. But then when you buy those like unlimited boot camp classes or you get into those, you feel like you have to go all the time. And sometimes trainers who mean really well and like want to push you and motivate you forget that like, you know, maybe it's that time of the month or maybe you didn't get any sleep and it's just good enough that you're there. Yeah. And you want to take it easy. So that can be hard. Yeah, I think it's good to recognize that certain things serve you during certain periods of time in your life. And so like the older you get, the more you realize about yourself. Like maybe you realize one thing wasn't right for you, but it probably was right for you at the time. Like you probably needed that being super strong and like Mm -hmm. feeling yourself and that would probably increase your confidence and like you learned from oh it was like actually what saved me i feel like and i know it sounds really dramatic and you'll hear people who've been in a situation where fitness saved them would get it but everybody else is like what are you talking about 
what happened to me is I went through, I had a really low self-esteem, maybe like my sophomore year of college, I'd gained a lot of weight from the lifestyle. I had this like come to Jesus moment of like, Kate, you need to just like stop drinking and partying. Like you feel, it was like one of those things. Then I got into a relationship that was really serious. And then when that crumbled, it was, I was like, all I care about is like getting in the gym, building muscle. I've heard some therapists and psychotherapists say that building muscle a lot of times is like a form of protection. Um, You might've heard this for people who eat a lot. Like they eat to create this layer to hide from the world. For me, maybe I haven't really thought about it too much, but I could see it where I was like obsessed with building muscle and getting fit so that I would be protected, that something couldn't hurt me again, so that I felt good about myself. I felt like I had a reason to like keep going. Yeah. But I also didn't talk about my feelings very much back then. I would never have like put two and two together. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So yeah, like I needed that. And then when I was able to, I noticed it kind of like a progression with my life when I was able to kind of resolve some of these feelings of lower self-esteem from getting out of a really bad relationship that hurt me a lot then I didn't depend on weightlifting anymore and my priorities change. And so they did sync up quite well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's, it it is interesting how you can't like, you know, you, you did the best that you could with what you knew at the time and a lot of things serve you, but it doesn't mean you have to hold on to them forever. Right. Yeah. I thought of another example of someone advocating for themselves. Uh, They worked for a family business. So like everyone in the family does the same thing, Mm -hmm. the same profession and then the family has the practice and then you go into that practice and you do the thing and it's a very hard job and it's very demanding lots of hours and this guy realized that he didn't like it yeah (laughs) you know and he was probably 10 12 maybe even 15 years into this career and the career path was just kind of already shown to him he just kind of went into it that's just was his path in life like this has been handed to you so he was going to take it and then kind of recognizing that like it didn't serve him at all. It's not at all what he wanted to be doing. When I asked him, what do you want your life to look like? He was so blank. He couldn't tell me anything. And I'm like, okay, well, this is where we need to start. It seems like it has nothing to do with food, but we'll get back to that because you can't even tell me what you want a day to look like, let alone a week or a month or a year or your whole life. So kind of going back like square one, what do you want this to look like? And he, he was like, I can't even think about that because my life doesn't allow any of this. And I'm like, your life as it is now, but do you just need permission to change that? Do you need someone to tell you that it's okay that you don't have to be stuck in this because you're 36, 37 years old and you have a whole lot more life to live. So yeah. you can make this decision and stay stuck in this or we can start from square one. What do we want this to look like and how do we get a couple steps? closer to that direction so I think advocating for yourself can be looking outside the box too and when it comes to whether it's your job or whether it's your daily routine or whether it's something that you've been doing forever maybe just taking inventory of what are all the things you do in a day what are all the things you eat in a day what are all the things you feel like you have to get accomplished in the day and then really asking yourself is this still serving me in a way that I want it to and if not well how do we change that it's crazy how many times those kind of conversations come up in a dietitian's office. I know. You know, people are like, what are you, you, you know, but it's true. Mm-hmm. The, whether I'm talking to somebody about, okay, what are we going to do with your food and fitness? Or what are we going to do with your life? I think it always has to start with a vision. So painting the vision. I might have somebody come in here and tell me, 
Paint me a picture of the best case scenario. What are you doing in a day with food? How are you feeling about food? How do you feel about yourself? What are you doing fitness-wise? What's it look like? And you could take that same formula to a day in your life. What do you want your day in a life to look like? What's the vision? Big picture. I think you and I are similar in that way that we start with a big picture. We're kind of geared towards that. Uh, And then we take that and we break it down into steps. Okay, well, how do we accomplish this? So if we're going to talk and and stay in the lane of fitness and nutrition and and all of those things, it's okay. Okay, you tell me that you want to wake up in the morning and put on clothes and not feel bad about yourself. You want to feel confident. You want to have a lot of energy. What things do you have to do or can you try to make that happen? What things do we have to change in your routine? And coming back to the main topic, this might be telling somebody that, you know, here's an example. I wrote about this in the book that I'm writing. Let's say you and your partner have this routine every single night. You guys pop popcorn, you drink hot cocoa, and you watch Netflix. But that also happens to be the only time where you can do an hour workout or where you can do your meal prep or where you can get work done for your side business. And if you don't do that, your partner feels left out, they feel sad. So you have to be able to communicate with that person and advocate for yourself and say, hey, I would love to watch movies with you. There's nothing else I'd better do. But I have to do this instead. Will you do it with me? Can you wait an hour? Uh, can you can you do something else with me that helps me with this project? Knowing your partner or the person who you're you're trying to change your schedule for, their needs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that right. But essentially, it's okay, let's start with the vision. What do we have to do? And that might mean what do we have to give up? What do we have to communicate with others? What do we have to change? And then you can create a step-by-step process and see if it works. Yeah, and I think the thing that you have to maybe swallow is that change is hard. If you want something to be different, you have to be different. I got another one I want to talk about. Alcohol in relation to like work events. I have so many clients who make the excuse that they have to drink. Yes. At the work, or I have a meeting with my boss. I have to drink. I have a dinner with clients. I have to drink. And if they'll make a goal of like, oh, I don't, you know, I want to keep it to three drinks during the week. And they're like, well, I'm never going to hit that this week because I have a client dinner on Wednesday. It makes me so angry. Like, hold yourself accountable. Nobody there is holding you down to make you drink. I feel like it's such an excuse. It's that you want to have drinks and you want it, whether it's fit in or you want to be loose or what you want to be drinking what everyone else is drinking. No. Yeah. I have a client right now who works in the wine and beverage industry, and she doesn't drink with her (laughs) clients every single time. You know, she'll say that once in a while she'll have a glass of wine because it's the thing to do, Mm -hmm. but she'll stop at one or she won't have any at all. If she can do it, if you're in the Mm -hmm. wine and liquor industry and you can say no, if she can say no, everybody else can. Right. And if you're taking your client out and they want to have a bottle of wine, you let them have a bottle of wine, but that doesn't mean that you have to and if you feel like it's gonna make them weird I mean don't be afraid to nurse it I don't know like you know what I mean like if you pour your drink like let it sit there swirl it around I don't know everyone's got their own level of comfort but I've done that before for sure when I've been with a group of people and I don't want them to feel like they can't drink or something like I'll pour it and drink half or just kind of not really mess with it but some people can't do that I'll acknowledge that that some people are like no if I have a sip like it's game over it's on yeah and and, you know that doesn't mean anyone's like an alcoholic or has a problem it's just like that with like a cookie or something you know Mm -hmm. some people it's just easier not to do any so kind of figuring out what works for you but Again, that's advocating for yourself. And people will give you trouble, I'm sure, sometimes. I mean, some people get lucky and it doesn't happen. But if you're in that situation and your client or your boss is like, hey, Megan, you're not having a drink tonight? Why are you being so dry and boring? Come on. Yeah. 
you don't have say as little as possible. <clears throat> Just say not tonight. Oh no, gotta sleep good tonight. No, not interested. Yeah, I mean this is something I deal with all the time because I typically have one drink out at a dinner, mm-hmm. and I often go out with people who drink a lot more than that. Even Will will usually have two, three drinks, and I just always have one, and that's all I need, and I can kind of nurse it throughout the whole night. But it's not because I'm trying to impress anybody. It's just I don't want to feel like crap. Yeah. I, I enjoy getting a cocktail. I enjoy feeling fancy. I enjoy having my maybe one glass of wine, and that's all I want, and that's all I need. And so people will comment and say, you're not getting another drink, or how come you're not drinking with us? And my reply is always just something like, I only want one. Yeah. Because it's true. Like, I, I just only want to have one. And I normally don't catch any additional flack from that, but it's just, I just want to have one. Because who could argue that? That's all I want. Like, I don't want yeah. to drink. I just don't want to drink more. Side note, I have noticed you're a slow drinker. I am. Yeah, I mean, we went out to that Mexican place once, and, like, I finished my drink. I feel like at a reasonable pace. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I can be a fast... I'm a fast consumer if I'm not mindful about it. But I was like, dang, Megan, like, we got our food and finished it, and you still had whatever. So, here's something that you would notice, though. If I am just at a place having a cocktail, I can usually drink faster than I do with food, because I enjoy the taste of alcohol more without food. Yeah. Once food gets introduced, my alcohol kind yes. of goes to the side, and I don't think it tastes as good. Dude, that's the worst when you order drinks, and then it comes out, like, two minutes before your food. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want the cocktail with my food. Yeah, because it's like the cocktail first because it's fun and, like, something to do before the food comes. And, yeah, That's exactly what it is. Yeah, we went to dinner on Friday, and we ordered drinks, and we saw our drinks sitting up at the counter, and the girl didn't bring it to us. It was at Ospira. You and I had been there before. And we were just sitting there waiting. We're like, do we just go up and get it? Brought it to us. I got an Aperol spritz, three drinks in. They brought our food. I was like, mother clucker. Yeah. Like, it just, it stunk. Yeah. And then afterward, it's just, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the experience too but we were talking about yeah sticking up for yourself with alcohol i think with sweets that's a big one too for some people yeah, you know you're not having dessert wants to get dessert and you're like i don't really want to have dessert but i'm gonna have dessert because i don't want them to say anything to me and i don't want to say anything about it you don't have to you know this is a, this used to be bigger before people worked from home but i remember this is one specific story but it could be applied to a lot of people i had a client who worked for disney i want to say it was uh, some huge company and there was a woman that would come around with like a dessert cart and she would bake a lot of these desserts or oh. like she was really sweet oh. and this specific client had like a relationship with her like a friendly relationship so she was like a loyal customer and she's like i don't want to like let her down and not buy her sweets and they're so good and blah 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 and i was like oh, yeah like that's you're making up an excuse you know mm-hmm. yes sweet betsy with her desserts is gonna feel <laughs> disappointed for a day and she might say something but she'll get over it mm-hmm. she's not gonna be laying in bed at night thinking like oh why didn't why Cin- didn't cindy eat my sweets today because <laughs> cindy's self-advocating for herself remember yes, <laughs> yes right, she's on this exactly. new journey so, I mean, I, I think there's so many different examples that you and I could pull out from past clients, our own in life, about how important it is to stick to your guns. If you're interested, and in, if this is really hard for you, I think the terminology that's been a buzzword lately is setting boundaries, uh, talking about boundaries with yourself around food, around eating, around your own habits. There's a lot of really great books written by therapists, written by mental health experts, communication experts that give really good examples on how to set boundaries and stick to them. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of these are going to be written in the light of, you know, emotional needs. Like, how do you set boundaries when your in-laws are 
barging in on your house. But you could copy and paste those same experiences with how do you create boundaries for that 30 minutes in the morning when you want to get up and go take a walk with the sunrise Mm -hmm. and somebody else's, you know, whatever it has to be. So I think finding those communication tools is is really helpful. Mm. Are you the type of person that gives in to peer pressure? Me? Yeah. Um, it depends on the thing. I think here's my thing. I'm always down to have fun. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like the peer pressure would be, I don't know. I would say it's probably, I don't, I never have thought I'd give into peer pressure because I don't really feel pressured. I feel like I have a lot of autonomy where like I'm the one that wants to do the thing that okay. maybe somebody else would say, oh, that's like, how do I describe this? Like at the pool on Saturday, the pool at my apartment. Um, I didn't really plan on going to the pool. I didn't plan on not going to the pool. I wasn't trying not to go to the pool. Had some friends at the pool. I brought up two little seltzers and I drank them because I wanted to and it was fun. And I, I didn't really feel pressured, but like that's the scene and that's what I wanted to do. I'm just wondering if this goes hand in hand with like the types of people who easily give in to peer pressure would also be the type to not advocate for themselves yeah probably because i do not give into peer pressure at all i don't give a shit what anybody else is doing i will do the opposite just because Hmm. so i think it's easy for me to have that one drink and i'm wondering if that kind of carryover from high school college like the type of person who is going out Hmm. with other people and everyone else is having three glasses of wine if that's the type of person who's gonna find it harder to be like what do i actually want rather than just trying to fit in for sure. The crowd. I mean, I hear it as like people pleasing. Yeah. When I think about Cindy from example one, she was just trying to please her family by doing all these things that she didn't really want to do. So it was mm. kind of out of her comfort zone to do things. So I would say yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I'm not good about that either. I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the type of person to put everyone else first. Yeah. Either. I've noticed that. Yeah. So. I would say. I'm not I, saying that's a good thing. Just. I think I might be the one that pressures people into doing things. Mm. And I think maybe that's why I have, like, insight on how people feel when they're pressuring. Because I've definitely been the person that's like, come on, let's just go out. Like, come on, let's just go have fun. You only live once kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a lot of areas, not not really I mean, food, ironically, not so much. Food and sugar and, and stuff like that. It's more like just doing what I want. Like, whatever, let's just do what we want because it's fun. So I might be the one that's doing more of the pressuring than being pressured. When I was in high school and college, probably a different story. But that's so hard for me to think about because I was just like, there. I was just like, I feel like I wasn't even a human. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think I about who yeah, I was I when I was 18. Like, you yet. Yeah, I was like, what was I doing? What was, yeah. what was going through my mind? And I'm sure, I'm sure I was like a, I wasn't like this, I'm going to do what I want, rebel spirit like you are. But yeah, I would say I'm more the one that would do the pressuring. Okay, interesting. So I guess that maybe, maybe if you're the type of person who have, you found that you don't advocate for yourself, maybe like looking backwards to think like, am I the type that's pressured to do what the other people are doing around me? And how has that served you? Is it serving you or is it time to maybe go a different route? Some of the weird advice I give, and I always preface this by saying, like, this is this is weird advice. <laughs> but when you stick up for yourself, when you self-advocate, when you set a boundary, take time to really just, like, feel how good that feels. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't experience this because it's just kind of, like, who you are. But there's been times where I, like, would say no to something, and I would get, like, a buzz. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, like, take that. And it feels really good. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm-hmm. 
And it, for me, it would have been things not necessarily around like food, like, no, I don't want the cookie. That was always like, that was an issue for me. I would eat the cookies I wanted to, not necessarily because I felt like I should. But with other things in life, like saying yes to projects or jobs or plans, I would always just say yes. And it was out of my comfort zone to say no. And then when I started to say no to things I didn't want to do, I would get like a little high. Like it would be kind of like a nervous high. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said no. Like I, they probably hurt their feelings, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of feel good. It's because you're being true to yourself. Yeah. It's because you gave the answer that was like true to your body, your soul, your heart. Like you said the thing that was true to you versus saying the yes because you think that's what you're supposed to do or you think that's what somebody else wants. And then as soon as you say the yes, the feeling is ugh. Yes, like crap. Ugh, like yes. Or you roll your eyes like I said yes to that. But then when you say no, that little buzz is like, oh my gosh, you're finally being true to me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I think the language that people use a lot is like your highest self, your truest self, you're in alignment, blah, blah, blah. But I think that is true. Yeah, you get this like buzz of like, oh, I like did what I needed to do for me. Mm-hmm. And so you can do that with food and fitness. And then the more you do it, the more second nature it becomes. And then all of a sudden, you transform into the person you want to be. That's why it feels so dang good to go and do these things you want to do that are health related. Even if it's hard, meaning like you have to get up off the couch or you have to say no to happy hour. But you always feel really good because it feels in alignment with who you're trying to become. So see if you can find the buzz. Find the buzz. Okay, that's your <laughs> advice to your dietitian. Just catch a buzz this weekend. Like, catch a buzz by saying no. Say no. Hopefully no one just, like, steps into the podcast at this point. No way. <laughs> I'm going to automatically go to 35 minutes in and just see what people say. Yeah. No. But I would, I think be, I'd be curious to hear more examples about this, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I always think it's fun to share these wins. Sometimes people don't feel like they have a good space to come and share all like the badass cool things they're doing. So send us a voice memo or a message on our Instagram. I know you're really active on the Instagram right now, nutrition.awareness, and just share some things you've done in terms of sticking up for yourself. What boundaries did you create? What rules did you set for yourself? When did you say no? When did you catch a buzz from it? I would love to hear stories like that. Yeah, we'd love to hear it because I think sharing those things inspires other people too. For sure. And if you give us permission, maybe we'll share it on the feed too. Yep. And see what people like. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, feel love, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.